Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mustang Owners Podcast. We are so happy you're joining us tonight because you are on a special edition of Inside Ford Performance with your host, John Clore, uh, the Enthusiast Communications Manager of Ford Performance, and Mike Gray, the club guru of the United States, but everybody knows him most, mostly as the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. But it was really you that got our special guest tonight, Mike. So uh, I really wanted to thank you for doing that. And I'm not going to keep people waiting. I know that you guys really were hoping we had Dave Parasak a couple of weeks ago. And guess what, folks? Thanks to Mike Ray and his persistence, we have on the line tonight, Dave Parasak. Dave, thank you so much for making it tonight and spending a few minutes with two-year-old buddies. Oh, hey, John and Mike. I, you know, I wouldn't want to, there's no place I'd rather be. So thank you for having me on the podcast tonight. Yeah, the only bummer about the podcast, Dave, is, you know, we can't share a couple of cold beers. Mike, are you buying next time? <laughs> Absolutely. He, he didn't buy the last time, John. Oh, that's right. Wait a second. <laughs> so, Mike, how did you get Dave to do this? Because, you know, uh, Dave will, like, give me a text message and want to know some background on something. Or Dave will, he will, he'll, you know, and I'll ask him a favor about something. But when it comes to this, this kind of stuff, you seem to have the magic touch with him. Do you have, like, pictures of him in high school with the, the long, shaggy hair? He does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, you know, I just feel very, very honored and um, so appreciative of Dave's friendship over the years. So I think it's been 11 years now since I've known him and um, each and every year, it, nothing changes. It seems like we've known each other since birth and uh, we just always click right from day one, which we'll get into that story, how we met. Quite a funny story, by the way, but no, I just, I appreciate his friendship and uh, me and him were talking earlier and John, you know, this firsthand as well is that Everybody at Ford, the reason I'm a Ford guy is because of the people that are there. It's a family atmosphere. It makes you feel great. It makes you feel welcome. It makes you feel worth something. Um, it always wants to listen to your opinions, to take it into and actually execute it into actually new models or, you know, different options on different vehicles, things like that. Ford listens to their customers and actually executes it. And Dave is the actual prime example of doing that. That's exactly right, Mike. And uh, for those of you who don't know Dave, you should really sign off now and do not join the podcast ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because if you don't know Dave Parasak, you really are not paying attention, and that's really troublesome. But everybody else in the Mustang world knows that Dave was the chief engineer, not only on the S197, but on the, the current Mustang, the S550. I got the pleasure to work with Dave when he became global director of Ford Performance, and um, work under Dave and uh, Henry Ford III, who did the marketing side. And then Dave, you know, unfortunately moved on, become the director of enterprise product line management, Ford Icons, which we thought, boy, there's, I mean, that's even cooler than Ford Performance, if there is such a thing. And then now on to global platforms, which is probably the biggest challenge of the company of trying to get the correct platforms for the future. Dave, you've had a kind of rocketing career. How do you keep your head screwed on straight? <laughs> well, I've been extremely fortunate. You know, um, the company has been really good to me over the years and they've offered me a lot of opportunities along the way. And, um, you know, I've been just uh, blessed to be able to have some of the positions that I've had and uh, work with the people that I work with. You know, Mike talked about the people at Ford. 
they're just phenomenal um, men and women that that make all of this happen. And so, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just, I don't know, may call it maybe right place, right time. I don't know. But um, I've just been, uh, you know, I've been hitting the performance scene for a long time now and, and they just keep throwing more at me and, and uh, cooler stuff. Every time I turn around, you can't get any better. And, and it does, you know, so um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, John. Oh, it sure has. Um, well, for everybody who really loves the Mustang and has followed it all these years, you know, uh, it has ups, ups and downs. And as a, a model line gets old and longer in the teeth, everybody's waiting for the next one. And of course, S197, the launch of that vehicle really brought pony cars back into the, uh, the public eye. And uh, the popularity of Mustang when it came out in 2005 really kind of changed people's perception. I, I know, I remember Dave, a lot of people said, oh, Ford hasn't had an original idea. It's a retro Mustang. But if people who <laughs> recall 2005, the Porsche 911 had a complete remake. When it came out, it looked like uh, the Porsche 911, but nobody said anything about that being a retro. I think what really did happen, everybody took notice. The car uh, had so many of the original design cues that Chevrolet had to get back into the Camaro business. Dodge got back into the Challenger business. It, it really forced everybody's hand. When you joined the program, Dave, I mean, you know, the, the six was around the, the four, six, I own a four, six S197 and 06 convertible GT that's modded. But I think the transition when you were there from the 4.6 to the 5.0 kind of changed the personality of Mustang. Would you say that's a fair statement? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, those of us who love Mustang, you know, the five liter is just, it's so legendary. And, and when we brought that back, um, we brought it back in a big way. You know, it was, uh, what an amazing engine that is. It just really brought the heart and soul back into the, into the Mustang. And I think that it was missing that. And so, that was key to uh, to resurrecting, you know, and bringing Mustang. Look, what we what we did when we when we looked at the S five fifty was we had an opportunity to do something so fresh and really secure Mustang in its place, its rightful place of being the number one selling sports car in the world. So yeah, as we were looking at the future and where we wanted to go, we were putting all the building blocks in place. Getting that five liter into the into the Mustang again was was huge, and it's the heart and soul of the machine. Oh, yeah. And I remember, you know, we were speaking to some clubs uh, back then and everyone loved the refresh in 2010. Oh, this car is really cool. And then 2011 <laughs> comes out and they changed the engines. Now I got to buy another one. Why are they doing this to me? But Mike, I remember when you first met Dave and you uh, saw the refreshed car. You know, we've talked to some of the designers about it. Uh, uh, Rob Gilardi, remember we had him a club meeting to explain <laughs> explain some things. But you know, why don't you take everybody back through when you first ran into Mr. Parasak? <laughs> so this was 2009 um it was actually winter time and uh ford invited our board of directors out to flat rock to see the new 2010 mustang and the new 2010 shelby since you know the the shelby got a little redesigned too new uh front fascia difference and things like that and so we got to go out there and we were walking around the cars and people were standing around and i knew a couple people there but not really anybody you know jamal hamidi was there um, I'm trying to think who else was there, but I'm walking around the Mustang and there's a gentleman in the back and I'm looking at it. He's like, well, what do you think? And I says, I really don't like the taillights. They look kind of foreign or like a Honda. And he's like, well, how you doing? I'm Dave Parasuck, chief engineer. So that's how me and Dave met. And, um, but you know what, it, like me and Dave always talk about is that, you know, I think he respected my, uh, 
honesty about it. And uh, if you guys know, in 2013, we got the best taillights ever in the Mustang at that time um, when he, he got those there. So I think he listened to me a little bit and <laughs> fought hard to get those taillights in the 13s. And uh, I think those are the best. And I think everybody's favorites. And in the aftermarket world, everybody's trying to copy them now. <laughs> well, Mike, that's yeah. That, you, Dave, you have to John. admit, you must have heard a lot of well, these guys saying that. But why did you even even talk to Mike after that? Well, listen, I, after he said that to me, John, truth be told, I wanted to throw him out, but he's too damn big. Uh, no listen i think you know listening to our enthusiasts and understanding let's we do what we do because of the enthusiasts right i mean so when when mike expressed his you know opinion um and i had just come in to lead the mustang i launched the 2010 but i was really picking it up from the previous chief uh you know i had a lot i share a lot of the the same thoughts but mike but you know mike was very uh, passionate about his feedback and and what was going to make it what he really wanted to see into the Mustang and so that's what we look for we look for that passion we you know we listen to that seriously he's not kidding the 2013 tail lamps there's a whole story behind those because believe me they're one of the most expensive tail lamps I think they've ever done <laughs> we went out to to make sure that we were going to deliver what the enthusiasts were looking for and Mike just is a great voice for the enthusiasts you know he's so connected with all of the the Mustang owners and um yeah and he's just super passionate passionate so when I met him I was like man this is my kind of guy because for those that know me they know I'm, I'm extremely passionate too yeah and I think uh I can say this for all the other enthusiasts out there that have met you Dave um there are certain people over the history of Mustang that uh, and it just happens maybe Mustang just draws that kind of personalities but uh, all the chief engineers that I've ever met on the car uh, in my time and all the way through down the line it's that passion that makes that kind of separates you from from the rest and and I know Mike recognized it and he, when he told me that he first he was embarrassed but uh <laughs> but the, the point is is that a lot of chief and you know you might have taken it you know well geez you know we just I just launched this car and, and I get kind of this kind of feedback this you know well the, the you're right Mike is connected and the reason why Ford Performance has uh, stayed glued to his side, not only because he's uh, president of one of the biggest Mustang clubs in North America, uh, but also the passion that he has and the view that he has is shared by so many thousands of people. You kind of get like an insider's view of what, what the owners think, and he is their voice. So I appreciate the fact that you didn't throw him out. That was really cool. <laughs> but, yeah. but I have to tell you, Bud Magaldi told us stories about, you know, the 94 car, with the taillights, the, the, the issue there. And then we had uh, Rob Gallardi come in and explain why they canted them up. And it's it's not, it's just a little thing like taillights. Uh, when when the very <laughs> next year, you completely changed the game by putting the five liter in. And when I remember our times at Ford Racing, when they wanted to do a Boss car, we just kept saying, Boss 281 just doesn't sound good. You know what I mean? And and when when you talk about heritage, Dave, the if we were going to go racing with a Boss 281, really, we'd have to make it a 302. And really, if you're going to do a Boss 302, you have to go race it because that was the whole point of the Boss 302. And how in the heck did you get that program? <laughs> I mean, how did you get it from, from concept to off the ground? Well, I'll tell you that there's a story. We, that's a whole nother podcast. But um, that was, uh, so when we, when we brought the five liter in, we, you know, we, we finally had the right displacement now. <laughs> and so we right. said, Hey, let's, um, let's, let's do this. Let's do a boss 302. And so we started talking about it. You know, many had tried before and it hadn't been done for like 40 years. Everybody said, look, it's never going to get approved. You know, it's, you're never going to make business sense of it. It's never going to get approved. And I immediately got my team together and said, let's go build a prototype. 
and let's start let's start working on what a, a boss 302 would what, what would it be what would we do how you know well how, we got to make it amazing and i called the engine guys and i said hey listen i won't go take this forward unless i've got the absolute right motor for this boss 302 so the engine guys went away and they they called me up one day john and they and they said we want you to come out and drive something they didn't tell me what it was and, and i drive things all the time right so i went down there and got in and i started going down the road and man i didn't get very far and i looked over at the guy who was sitting next to me and i said what is this he <laughs> said that's your engine and i said oh my god and I, I was, we were out by the product development center there and I turned around, I came back to the front of the product development center and I tossed him the keys and I started going up the stairs and he said, oh, what's going on? He said, well, I don't understand. I said, what's going on is we got a motor. And I said, we got a program. And I went in, right? And uh, we started figuring out how we were gonna get this through the system. And at the end of the day, John, what got it through was not necessarily making sense of the financials. It was the passion around what a Boss 302 can do for the brand why it's so important and what we were going to do with it. When we went to the final review, uh, we had shown a video that I made at home. I made a homemade video to, to into the boardroom and brought it into the boardroom and I played it. Uh, I had ACDC as the background music and believe me, if you've ever <laughs> been in a boardroom before, uh, that, those two things, that doesn't go together. So when the lights came back on and the, and the walls were done shaking, everybody was just dumbfounded looking at each other. Derek Kuzak was, was the head of PD at the time. Oh yeah. And in that video, uh, we just, it, the excitement that had been built up through there about what this car could do and what it could be and what, what our vision was, was so compelling that Derek just asked me one question. He said, could you beat a BMW M3 with this Boss 302? Well, we're all sitting there in this boardroom and the tensions are high because we're going for approval. And I looked at him and I said, yes, I'll commit to do that. And he said, well, if you can do that, he said, you go give me a Boss 302. So we walked out of the room, and as soon as we walked out, Tom Barnes was my vehicle engineering manager oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah, Tom uh, darn near pushed me up against the wall, and he said, did you just say that we're going to beat a BMW? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, uh, how do you plan to do that? I said, I don't know, but that's the work in front of us. Oh, wow. We walked out with an approval, and the rest is history. We went, and not only did we beat the BMW, but we went far beyond it. And the car today is one of my favorite Mustangs to drive. I've got one in the garage. Um, brings a smile to my face all the time. But yeah, and Parnelli Jones, you know, I was able to meet Parnelli during all of that. And what an amazing man he is. Oh, yeah. The father of the Boss 302, obviously. Yep. And that was just fun to be able to work with Parnelli on that project. In fact, Parnelli was so invested in that Boss 302 program that as I was walking to the boardroom, this is a true story, from my office to go for the approval, my phone rang and it was Parnelli Jones. And I picked it up and I said, Parnelli, I can't talk right now. And he said, did it get approved? And I said, I don't know, I'm going in right now. So that's how excited even Parnelli Jones was for us to do a Boss 302. And so, you know, that's how we got it through. It was all about passion. Um, and, uh, and then when we came back after doing the program, you always have to come back for final status. And we came back and we demonstrated what we were able to do. And this is a true story as well. I also made a home video for the final status. It was also to ACDC, different song this time. And uh, it was bad to the bone the second time. Oh, yeah. And uh, when the when the lights came back on, instead of dumbfounded looks, everyone stood up and gave us a standing ovation as a team. It was absolutely a moment that I'll never forget. Well, I can tell you this: uh, you've been you've touched so many great cars, and eventually, when you became global director of Ford Performance, I mean the the, the highlight of anybody's career was bringing the, that supercar Ford GT back <laughs> to life, and the, and then going back to Le Mans and winning that. I mean, that's but for Mustang people. Um, the Boss 302 
changed a lot of people's mind about mainstream Ford, uh, because the last time we had cars like that with Mr. Coletti and the, the SVT Cobras, we, we needed a niche group to do it. The fact that you and Barnes and all the boys uh, in that group brought a Boss 302 out to market through mainstream Ford engineering, that you guys were just, your team Mustang, it just blows people's mind. I mean, they can't believe you pulled that off. And I think that, Dave, uh, really was, um, I mean, kind of set the table for you. S550, we'd love to spend a whole podcast with you. Uh, we should. More time because S550 is such a story. You know, I just wanted you to know, Dave, when I wrote that book, it was originally called Mustang Confidential, How Ford Recreates Its Pony Car. Uh, because people that bought the book say, hey, you spent the first half of the book talking about what the heck is a Mustang. You know, I tried to define Mustang because I said, if Ford's going to make a new one, they what is it? You know, <laughs> First, what is it? And then what, what do we make? And then I, you know, we, we did the S550. But the, the best thing was uh, the movie. And, and for those of you that don't have my book or have not seen A Faster Horse, Mike, how can we tell them how The Faster Horse was just the real deal? I mean, what, what can we say to people that, there's got to be some way we can get them to go watch that. If you're an enthusiast, <clears throat> this is your inside look behind Ford of what it takes to actually get a car off the ground into production. And um, for that launch, that was the most successful domestic car launch in automotive history. So, I mean, you want to watch this for sure. You're going to see all the inside people. And I'll tell you, everybody who was in that movie all spent millions of hours filming i know I, I the guy they were with me 13 hours i was in it probably for 13 seconds so there was a lot of uh on the, on the cutting room floor but um dave is absolutely the star of the show and i, I just love the first scene where he's in his office and and swivels around in his chair and you know that and talks about the eight ball and all the good stuff in there you guys got to see the movie um if you're an enthusiast it's a much a must watch I believe it's still on Netflix. Um, it is. Probably on Hulu and all that. And it's also available on DVD. So if you go to Amazon or whatever, it's available on uh, Amazon as well. But it is an absolute must watch. Yeah. If you have, we, very often people get videos for Mustang lovers and put them in their, their collections. But this is an actual Hollywood movie. David Gelb uh, was so blown away by it, meeting all of us. And I, all I can tell you, Dave, is after we saw that, the, the preview uh, with the Ford family, uh, Henry that was there, Edsel, I sat next to Gail Halderman, uh, who watched the movie, and he was interviewed extensively as well, uh, the original designer of the Mustang. We were walking down the steps. I was so excited. You were there. And I said to Gail, hey, Gail, wasn't that, what do you think of that movie? And you know what he said? He said, too much chlore, not enough Halderman. <laughs> I love in it. In front I of everybody. It. But so, yeah, the S550, we deserve an entire show for that. But for, for me, I mean, if you look at your career, Dave, and you go, you wind up global director of Ford Performance, all the hot Fords that they were making in that in that place and all the things you were doing. And yet the best kept secret of, you know, of in the, in the last hundred years was you guys going downstairs in a secret room <laughs> and coming up with that unbelievably gorgeous and unbelievably capable 4GT and then getting the mantra from the Ford family to go back to Le Mans and then not beat them with a 427 big block like we did back in 66, but to beat them with a F-150 six-cylinder EcoBoost. I mean, Dave, why would you say yes? <laughs> well, I tell you what, you know, it's, it's a funny story there is. So we got done with the Mustang um, launch and the S550 launch, 50th anniversary. And 
they called me in and said, Hey, we've got something we, you know, I'm talking about. And so they, they laid out the vision for this thing. You know, um, we're going to bring back to GT, uh, but do an all new GT. And, uh, by the way, at the same time, we're going to, we're going to go to Le Mans. We're going to, we're going to win. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I literally told them when they, when they said that to me, I said that night that they asked me to do it. And I, and I believe me, I'm a guy, I always answer things quickly. I don't, I don't take time. I said, I, I, uh, I'm going to need some time to, I need, you know, till tomorrow. They were surprised by that. And they said, why, why do you need till tomorrow? And I said, what you're asking is impossible, uh, but I'm willing to work on the impossible and go make it possible. But what you're also asking to do that is for me to really uh, disconnect from my family uh, and, and pretty much life uh, for two years. And so I just want to think about that because once I make this commitment, um, I'm all in, right? But I got to go, I want to go think about it. So I went home and I thought about it and, you know, came back the next day and said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was so, John, how many times do you get the opportunity to do something like that? I mean, I had just, okay, look, I just launched the 50th anniversary Mustang. I worked with the whole Mustang team to deliver you know, the 50th anniversary must have, you, that only happens, that doesn't even happen in someone's career. So that was amazing that that happened. And now I'm being asked to be a part of something so iconic. And so I, I so I said, yeah, let, I mean, I want to do it. Let's do it. But, you know, and we're going to go get this done. And so we put the right team together. Obviously, everything takes a team. It's not one individual. Put the right team together. I did get advice from some pretty uh, important people in the racing world not to do it. I'll tell you that. Uh, so the likes of Roger Penske, uh, Jack Roush, um, these kinds of people told me don't do it <laughs> the reasoning was simply you don't just go back to Lamar and uh, waltz in and say we're here to win yeah and so anyway it it was a it was a challenge you know i love challenges um we did work harder than i've ever i mean it was unbelievable we did keep it a secret that was one of the coolest parts about it is nobody even inside ford motor company they didn't know oh yeah doing. oh yeah i mean uh you know when we were launching all those cobras and we were sitting on stuff we we tried so hard at svt to keep and, and stuff got out and you guys, no one knew about that. You guys were awesome. I mean, we were all yeah. surprised and you guys were, I, I would not want to play poker against you. <laughs> Dave, you need to finish the story of, of Lamar though, because that was such a great story. And, uh, you know, as the race was winding down, give us that, that ending story. Well, I mean, look, Lamar was something, well, there's a, there's a, there's two, I'll, I'll Let's limit down to two stories. One of them was we, you know, so there's a lot of preparation, obviously, and a lot of craziness that's going to go on to put a race car together at the same time you're doing a road car. And then we, you know, our, our year started out a bit rough, but anyway, we get to France and, you know, we're as ready as we can possibly be to where everybody's excited. And the whole Ford family is there the day before the race, nothing really happens. And so you're kind of just, you know, you're kind of just hanging out, getting ready for the, for the 24 hours. Anyway, the day before the race, Edsel Ford uh, was standing and Pitt Road, and he was just gazing down the track. And uh, I walked up next to him, and it was just the two of us, and we were shoulder to shoulder. And I said, Mr. Ford, what are you doing? And he said, you know, Dave, 50 years ago, I was here with my father, and we won this race. And tomorrow, I'm going to be standing here with my son, and we're going to attempt to do it again. I can't tell you the feeling when that happened, when he said those words to me, and I was standing there with him, and Edsel's just such an amazing man for those who don't have never met him. He's just an amazing man. And I'm standing next to him and I looked at him and I didn't know what else to say. I said, Mr. Ford, we've done everything in our, that's humanly possible to put this trophy back in your hands. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And I walked away from him. And we, 24 hours later, we put the trophy in his hands. 
And it was just one of the most moving things that I'll never, I'll never forget because that is, that's automotive um, history, you know, that we were making. Uh, but, but you know, Edsel had witnessed it. He was there 50 years ago. It just was, it was a surreal moment for me. The end of the race was really cool. Uh, when, when we, so we, you know, we, we, we did the race. Um, 24 hours is a long time. A lot can happen in 24 hours, and a lot did happen. That's a whole nother podcast. But as we were getting closer, I, basically, I was also the one calling the, you know, the race. We were in second place most of the night behind Ferrari. And in the morning hours, uh, it, it was time to go. And so I gave the command to one of the drivers to, to go get him. And at that moment, uh, Bill Ford, Edsel Ford, you know, everybody that was there, we all, this is what we worked for. And we were going to, we were really going to get it or we weren't, um, but we were going for broke. About an hour after I gave that command, Joey Hand, uh, one of our drivers, passed the Ferrari for first place. We never lost first place after that. And uh, we, we crossed the finish line. And it was just the feeling that happened when that occurred. Um, I'm, I'm not a very, I'm an emotional person, but I don't really tear up in that. I, you know, I cried like a baby. I can't even tell you after, after two years of slating and, and everything else, what it feels like, you know, when you can finally just realize what just happened and what the team achieved, another super emotional moment. But, you know, what a big, what a big moment for Ford Motor Company, you know, demonstrating our engineering prowess and uh, showing the world that, you know, we're still the best. I don't know who exactly sprayed Bill Ford with the champagne right in his face. <laughs> I don't, I hope that was drivers. Even. I was okay. Thank God it wasn't yeah. you because he got teary eyed there, but that's because of champagne. But no, I, that was, that was absolute a killer moment for, for anybody who has got a, a Ford pride and beats Ford blue. But shortly after that, I mean, Dave, we, uh, I remember talking to Mike and when we heard uh, on December 1st, you were going to leave, you'd be leaving global director of Ford performance. And Mike, did we go to Miller's and just cry in our beer or something? What did we do that? And I was thinking, what, yeah. what was Dave, why would he leave these th leave Ford performance it's like Scotty Bowman after he wins the Stanley Cup he retires like who did exactly. that like this is the best job in the entire world we can't lose Dave what's going on but then you called me Mike remember and you said listen to this Dave is now a director of enterprise product line management for Ford icons and, and I remember Mike I said what what is that <laughs> what and is Dave, that Dave did they they kind of made that up for you they, yeah, they put all the uh, all the cool stuff in one pile and call them icons, which they are. Um, but no, it was it was really what that job was all about. It, it was having ownership of all of the iconic products, you know, whether it's the Raptor. And at that time, it was we were getting ready for the Bronco, right? So um, it was the Raptor, it was the Bronco, it was the Mustang, it was all the icons that, that you would think of. But it was the total ownership, life cycle ownership, meaning. The planning of them, you know, ten years out, uh, the the full responsibility for the production and, and the, the the profit and loss of the of the business unit, and so it really was a, a very you know important and large job to be able to to be in charge of all of the icons. So it was it was a very cool position. Well, the, the, for us and Mike and I have had so many conversations about this, Dave. Uh, we we couldn't bore you with all our tears. Uh, the, for us, when you went from icons and we we started talking about well. Your, your new role on global platforms. The challenge we see is how does Dave Parasak now work to make a new icon? Ford's got a lot of icons from the past, but what is it going to take um, at Ford to create something that's not using you know some other idea, but creating an all new icon for the company? Is that kind of stuff on the board somewhere? Well, there's, there's, you know, it's a great question, John. And um, 
I got to be careful what I tell you I'm working on, by the way. I can't, I can't divulge too much. But I'm, I'm the director of, of Future Electric Vehicles. Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is that icons are, they're not made, they're earned. And we are very fortunate at Ford to have as many icons as we have. But we don't, it's not like you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make an icon. You, uh, you know, the, our, our enthusiasts and our customers determine what becomes iconic and what is an icon. And, and then it's our responsibility to just, to continue to shepherd those and deliver what our customers are expecting and, and, and what's going to excite them. And so we are working on some fantastic stuff in the pipeline, trust me, that is going to be super cool. And uh, I'm really proud about and I'm excited for. And I, and I think our, I'm pretty confident that our customers are going to really enjoy them. But again, our customers are going to have to determine whether or not what we produce in the future is going to be an icon. We're just, like I said, we're so blessed to have as many as we do. But you know, we have to earn that. We don't, you don't just decide you're making one. You know, Mike, we talked about this so many times before, um, seeing these great names. Other companies, they drive their cars, but at Ford, we pretty much drive icons. You know, there's a club for every single Ford produced since the Model T, even the Escort. I mean, the Pinto has 5,500 members, that club. <laughs> it, it, I mean, they were just in Dearborn and they were at Mike Berardi's place and we celebrated their 50th anniversary to be Ford's first domestically produced subcompact. I mean, we've, there's so many, so many landmarks and so many wonderful things that Ford's done. And for Mike and I and the enthusiast world, Dave, Mike, I think we got the right guy in there for the Ford Motor Company. And what you do, Mike, bringing the enthusiast to, to celebrate these cars, I think we've got a lot to celebrate, even just if Dave Parasek would just take a Christmas vacation. You, you know, say <laughs> something here is that, you know, Everybody always asks me, why do I do what I do? I don't get paid. I don't do any of this. It's literally because of you two gentlemen the most. So, John, you're the one that has been my mentor and, uh, you know, doing what I want to do and the passion and meeting people and taking things to the next level. And so you're on the enthusiast side of it right there. And then Dave's actually making it happen and making our dreams come true with the vehicles. So um, there's no two people in the Ford Motor Company or in the enthusiast world that I respect more than you two gentlemen. And uh, just super, super proud uh, to call you both very close friends. Like you, like Dave said, don't you think, uh, Dave, uh, like you said, the Ford can build all kinds of wonderful things. And if the people didn't love it, buy it, hold it on a pedestal and celebrate it, it wouldn't be an icon. Absolutely. Dave, what about the, the one statement from Dave too? And I think it's in the faster horses that Dave wants a pin in every possible spot on the map of the world. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's right. I did say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Talk about the impossible. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> well, hey, listen, you got to have goals, man. <laughs> You kind of have goals, but no, you know, John, and that's why I love what you two do. I mean, you guys, you know, you represent all of the enthusiasts and you represent them so well. You're so passionate about what you do and you're so committed to what you do. And I think, you know, what I'm so proud about working at Ford, and I don't say this because I work at Ford, I work at Ford because of this. The people at Ford are so passionate about not just the iconic car, every car that we produce comes from people that are truly they love their job and they love creating amazing machines, whether it's an Explorer, an Expedition, an F-150, it doesn't matter. That's why our cars, I, I think, are, are stand out from, from many of the, the others. I, they're built with people who care. You, you feel that passion come through the product. And obviously our iconic products, you know, we've got, we've got people that are super, super passionate about it. And that just exudes from the product. But 
But I think that, you know, you have to, when you're, we're not creating toasters here, right? We are creating very emotional machines that we, are, it's one of the things that humans have always connected with throughout the years is our automobiles. And if you just treat them like a commodity, then you know what? They're not going to be that exciting to drive. In fact, they're going to be quite boring. But if you pour your heart and soul into them, it comes out in the product. And then the people who get to enjoy them every day, they get to love them. And then the whole thing just builds and builds and builds. And then here, you, here we are talking about you know cars. So it's uh, really appreciate the whole thing. I have to follow up with Dave just said about, he even said, you know, even like an Explorers. At, at the dealership I work at today, we got two Explorers in today. And I've seen pictures of them. I've read stuff on the internet, but I haven't seen them in person. We got a Timberline Explorer in today. And we got a King Ranch Explorer in today. And I've never seen either one of them in person. And I can tell you, they are both just absolutely amazing vehicles. The Timberline's got the meaty wheels on it, uh, you know, meaty tires and different cool wheels on it, different interior, different front end, rear end. It's it just really, really cool. And then the King Ranch is literally a King Ranch F-150 inside of an Explorer. And, man, it, they really, really did a, just a, a great job. And like Dave said, it goes down all through the whole Ford brand line. Well, that's for sure, Mike. And Dave, um, all we can say is um, we couldn't be as passionate about being Ford enthusiasts without people like you helping us and supporting us. Um, and when we need to connect, connecting us, spending, you have an insane schedule. And for the, you to take time out tonight and talk to us to share this with Mustang owners all across the world uh, is just, uh, it's just a pleasure. And we really owe you our a debt of gratitude. I really appreciate your time tonight. I hope we can, when you have a moment and you know, you're, you're not putting up the Christmas tree and when we have more time, we can talk again, Dave, because your stories are inspiring. And I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, no, I, listen, I want to thank you guys for inviting me. I love talking about this stuff. It's my passion. It's, you know, so anytime John and, and Mike, and you guys know you get, we've, we've been friends now for a long time. Um, this is a bond that'll never break. You guys won't ever want me back on the show. I'll gladly find that time. So well, thank you, you again for having me. You said that right in front of Mike Ray, right? Mike, are you writing this down? I got Dave on my hotline. Don't worry. Oh, I know you got <laughs> no, he, he, <laughs> he does. Trust me. He does. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We thoroughly enjoyed talking to Dave Parasek and we hope him the best uh, for his new endeavors at Ford to make vehicles that are exciting for the future. We thank you for joining us inside Ford Performance on the Mustang Owners Podcast. Join us next time. And until then, remember, rubber side down, shiny side up. Good night.